Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. It is your host, Sarah. And today I have a longtime super feeler that I'm just like absolutely obsessed with, um, who is just like a sweet little sister to me, it feels like. Um, Lucia is here from the other Portland, Portland, Maine. And I invited her to come on the pod because... I love you. And I was always going to have you on the podcast, but um, also because you are a big fan of tattooing and piercings and just like um, body art and body modification the same way that I am. And so I thought this would be a really good opportunity for us to follow up on our previous message um, from a parent who was concerned about their child's body piercings and tattoos and the way that that intersects with like emotion, regulation, or dysregulation. Um, And we also have Talon here. You guys know Talon by now. Um, Talon is here because they know you. (laughs) Talon is here because he was a body piercer for many years. And so he's like got the perspective of the professional on the other end. So um, Lucia, do you want to say hi? Yes. Hi guys. I'm so happy to be on here. Um, yeah, I've just been, I've been wanting to be on the podcast forever and I just adore you and I adore Lori and it really is like, you guys are my big BPD sisters. So I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. How old are you? Because I say that, but like, you're not like 12. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm 25. Okay. Uh, That's that's a good (laughs) enough distance for me to say you're like a little sister. Yeah. Um, also because it's been like two years now that we've been interacting on social media. Yeah. I know. I've been like thinking about that. Like when I first found you guys and till now it's, it's wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's the, one of the most fulfilling parts of like this podcast for me is watching all of like our young people grow because it, it is primarily young people that find us through social media. Right. Um, and like neither Lori nor I had that kind of thing when we were going through our early twenties, right? Like Lori had more of a community than I had, but I didn't have any social media and I didn't have anyone I knew who was diagnosed with borderline. So it's like so fulfilling for me to be able to like have that and be a part of it. So yeah, I'm just so excited you're here. I love the community. It's like, it's really been a huge game changer in my like recovery and journey with BPD. Yeah. I can't imagine like where I would be without that. So it's just been, and then super feelers, like it's, it's like what I look forward to most, like every month, to be honest, like I just, yeah, I mark it on my calendar. I mark it in my calendar on my phone. Like I just, I love it. Yeah. You've, you were at the very first super feelers we did, I think. Right. Like Yes. That's so wild to think about. Oh gosh. We were just like, well, we'll probably do this once and then it'll never happen again. So um, here we are, I think probably like 25 super feelers later. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely grown. Mm -hmm. It's wild. We've had like several hundred people register and attend. So um, okay. So let me just give a little bit of background. So the message that I received from a parent, let's see a while ago, I received the message September 3rd of 2021. So over a year ago was, Hey, Sarah, so cool to see how life is evolving for you. As a mom, I'm having some trouble with radically accepting my 24 year old's fourth and not small tattoo. Um, they are several days away from embarking on their DBT journey. I remind myself that it's not my journey nor my body yet. It is hard to shake the feeling that this is some kind of distraction for dysregulation or at least high anxiety. Again, not my pain either, but as a mom, I do feel pained by the feeling that there may be some regret with healing and recovery. Um, mom is specifically referring to their tattoos and piercings. I know you have some surface embellishments as well. And I can see that those don't impede your happiness. I hope the same for my loved one. And so this mom gave us consent to talk about this in the original podcast. Um, so it's really cool to like, look back on that, but, uh, what are your thoughts about that message? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it's like a very, um, normal, like concern to have from a parent. Like I'm not a parent, so I have no idea like what that's like, but I know in my experience, like my, my mom is like very anxious, I guess, about my, um, my choice to have tattoos and to have body modifications and piercings, um, not starting like super young, but like, you know, relatively young and on. Um, and she's like very aware of my impulsivity and my BPD. So I think she's even more hyper aware of like, Oh, like, are you doing it for the right reasons? Or, Oh, are you even going to like that in five years? Um, or, Oh, are you, are you doing it to kind of numb the pain that you're feeling? So I think that's a very real concern to have. Yeah. How old were you when you started like piercing? Like, for example, I was like putting needle, like not sterilized pins through my ears when I was 15. It's a very important caveat. Yeah. I think we should make sure that we're differentiating between professionally and unprofessionally getting things done. I was shoving safety pins through my earlobes and my cartilage at and Talon just shitting himself at 15 years old. I mean, you've seen my ears. Like Talon looks at my ears and he's like, oh my God. And I'm like, well, like 15 year old Sarah was crying hysterically and didn't know what was wrong with her. And this was the only thing she needed to do that wasn't another form of self-heart well i do want to like say also that like my oh my god is not a judgment on you and you feeling that you needed to do that like that's not it's strictly from like i guess like coming from my professional background and then like i've seen so many kids come in like that and all i can think of is like how much pain they are now in because of the pain they were trying to relieve or like the their inability to get something professionally done because they didn't have parental consent or uh, didn't have access to a good shop or, you know, this, that, or the other thing um, is, is now, now we're like, okay, now we have a bigger problem. Oh, now yeah. we have a bigger problem. We, we want to fix. And then I think like my shit was fucked up. All of our shit was fucked up. You know, like we all have had a home job here or there. It happens. Like it just happens particularly. I think like when you're young, when you are neurodivergent and when you don't have maybe as many resources or as, as maybe you feel like you don't have the ability to like, well, yeah, I couldn't tell my mom, like, yeah, I, I shoved a safety pin through my cartilage 10 times. No, you're just wearing a hat. I'm wearing my hair down (laughs) in a hat because Because I was going to get grounded. It wasn't going to be, it wasn't, there wasn't going to be like a trauma informed conversation. No, no, no. no. And I can't tell you how many times I've had parents like, and I don't have to go into this now. We can like, wait, because this is still the intro, but I can't tell you how many times I've had parents like bring their kids in, in, in an attempt to like embarrass them out of doing that, which is like, oh my gosh, (sighs) I a very intense shaming yeah like a very intense thing to like for them and then also me like to be on the receiving end and like to be expected to perpetuate this shame oh my god my mom also did that with when I would I would like color my hair like literal like Crayola Mm -hmm. red like Mm -hmm. Ronald McDonald red and she (laughs) but I don't like I don't like red Okay, that you don't like my hair is literally red. No color. Okay. Well, my mom was so angry and like she just wanted to figure out how to get it out of my hair and then trying to get it out of my hair turned it green. And and it was never like from the perspective of this is an attempt for you to express yourself and your identity and your creativity. It was you are embarrassing me. Mm-hmm. So fill us in, Lucia, on what your kind of experience was like. Yeah. And so like, that's kind of like uh, that question just sort of like brought a memory, like flooding back that I just, I haven't thought of since like literally this moment of, I don't know how old I was. I maybe like, ooh, maybe like nine or 10. And my sister who was like very, um, like very about like, um, 
piercings and all of those kind of things. And, uh, definitely a lot of, uh, self-harm, um, there for sure. Like she, she literally was like, I'm going to pierce your ears. She's like, I'm going to pierce your ears and you're just going to like do it. And she kind of just like held me down and like pierced my ears with like, just like a, like a, I don't even know, like just like a needle or something. Oh my God. Well, I, I know we all know the exact scene in the parent trap. Yeah, with the, the, the apple. <laughs> the apple. Yes. It's an apple okay. that they stick behind the yeah. ear. Yeah. Heat it up real quick with the lighter. It was something like that. It was an apple or ice or something. And that, yeah, that was like my first experience. And I mean, I wouldn't say it was super consensual. So like that even is sort of like, wow, like I wonder if that contributed, I don't know, to the sort of aspect of it being almost like a little bit of an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Light bulb moment there. So that was like the first experience. And then, and then I think the the next one was I got my nose pierced and I had like a set in forever. Like, I think I got that when I was like 16 and my dad signed off on it. Cause he just like, didn't care. And my mom was like, no, but he just was like, sure. I don't care. And that was a good experience. But I, I guess like another, another time where it was not a good experience, like just kind of unsafe was I, I went with some friends to this like sketchy shop in, in Bellows Falls, Vermont, um, to get my belly button pierced. And the piercer was like this really like sketchy guy. And he like pierced my belly button by like going in between my legs. Like I was like in the, like I was like laying in the chair or whatever. And, um, and he just was like, okay, I'm going to pierce your belly button. And he just like came like in between my legs and like open, open my legs. Okay. Well, this actually reminds me, I have to say this. I did not get my nipples pierced at the shop that you worked at. Mm -hmm. I got them pierced at a shop in Portland and I was like friends with the guy. We actually became very good friends. We're not friends anymore, but like he lived with me. He was at my wedding, whatever. Um, But I didn't like know him really then, but I was friends with the guy that worked at the front counter and he sat in and watched my nipples get pierced by the female piercer. I don't know if I consented to it, but I do know that that was received by me as a feeling of being wanted Mm. and attention. And so whether or not I actually wanted that, I don't know, because that fueled my desire to, that someone loved me. Right. Yeah. And, and I think like, for me, I think it was kind of the same. Like I was like, I was like grossed out by this guy, but I think like there was a part of me got something from that desire in a way. Yeah. And I think I was just like, also too, too young and not in a place of using my voice to like say something or to even fully know if that was like appropriate or not. Like I felt, I felt like it wasn't, but I wasn't, I, I just couldn't say something. It felt like it was like, he's in the position of power piercing my body. And I just need to like, accept the way he's doing it. If that, uh, I'm really glad that you said that because like one of our, like as a body piercer, one of the things I was taught very early on. And so I would, I was female presenting while I was piercing and we worked in all female shop, but even still like my mentor was very, very big on like hammering home to me that like you have power over these people. And like the first thing that I was taught was never ever to take advantage of that power or to abuse that power. And so like hearing things like he came in between your legs I've done so many navel piercings and I laid people down on a table and I was off to the side. And their legs are closed because what are their legs have anything to do with their belly button? Right. Um, And I, so like hearing that makes me very, I like, that makes me like hurt for you in so many ways. And, And you're right. You didn't have the power. So like, I don't even want you to say like, oh, I wasn't good at using my voice. That wasn't you. That was not your responsibility. That wasn't you. You didn't need at that moment to be in charge or or to say, hey, no, this isn't okay. Like you trusted somebody, you paid somebody for a service and they took advantage of that situation. Whether it was nefarious or not, it, it doesn't matter. You are not the professional in that situation. You are a client. Like, so, so it, that was on him. 
So I don't even want you to think like, oh, I, it was me. I didn't use my voice. Yeah. The only opportunity yeah. for consent was I want my navel pierced. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So like in, when you, when you sign that paper, when you pay your money, when you pick your jewelry out, when you listen to the aftercare spiel, um, what you are doing is you are participating in a, a situation where like there, there, there is an agreed level of appropriateness, right. And you being young and you maybe not having a lot of body piercings professionally done or in good shops or whatever, um, you don't know. Right. So you have limited experience. So like, I, yeah, I would love for you to just remove that thought from your head that like you had any responsibility that that was your fault at all, because it wasn't. And like, if you got something from it, you got something from it, whatever that's like secondary. That's not the point either. Um, the point is, is that like you went into a shop, you paid your money, you wanted to get your navel pierced. You wanted to feel something from that piercing, not from that person, that person, like, we are, we are doing a service. It's not about me. It's not about like what I think or what I believe, like at the end of the day, doing body piercings, my job is to make sure you're safe. My job is to make sure that your piercing is well done. My job is to make sure that you're comfortable and that you feel you can come back to me and be like, Hey man, this isn't healing right. Or, Hey, oh my God, I love this. I want something else. That this empowers you. That this empowers you. Not that disempowers is, yes, that you. is what body piercing is for. Body piercing a hundred percent as, as whatever, as it is like sub, like subculturally or whatever, like at the end of the day, you are coming in and you are reclaiming a piece of yourself. It's about reclaiming your autonomy. It's going through the world, feeling good, being shiny, looking the way you want to look like that is what that is for. And so anybody who is taking that really beautiful experience and turning it into something that isn't okay, that isn't appropriate, that's on them. And that doesn't have anything to do with you or your inability to speak up. It just doesn't. Yeah. And I, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Like, I, I think it did leave, like it, it did leave, I think my perception of being in shops as like a bit of an intimidating place. Like, I think I was like, they're the professional, they know what I should do instead of like, this is like what I want to do. Um, so yeah. And he, and he fucked up anyway. <laughs> like it's not even good anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Yeah. And so, and I almost, it kind of makes me just want to like almost take it out and like redo it somewhere else because it was Fuck just. Yeah. Like, take it out. Let's get that shit redone. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell me, I can't tell you how many times I've had clients come in. I, I've had a few that were like very like emotional. I had one woman she came in, she got her nipples done. The piercings weren't bad. They weren't great, but they weren't bad. Um, I'd, I'd seen worse, which is like fine, whatever. And she came in and she was like, I got my nipples pierced. I really want to take them out. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, we can totally do that. And she's like, I don't want to take them out today. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that's fine. She's like, I wanted to come in and like, look at the shop. And I was like, yeah, great. And I like showed her the back room or whatever. And she was like, would you be the one doing it? And I was like, yeah, that's me and another piercer. I was like, you can kind of request who you want or whatever. Um, I was like, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily, not that they don't want me, but I'm like infinitely more alternative looking. I was like the more modified one. And my other piercer was very, like she had one visible piercing, you know, whereas I have. <laughs> well, but at the time too, Talon, Talon's double yeah. nostril was stretched yeah, very large. Yeah, nostrils. I had high nostrils. I had two inch plugs. Like I had all the things. Um, so I tried to slide so hard <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. The slide was denied, but oh, I, I was at work. I was fucking, mm, I was in it. And then here I am 10 years later. I'm like, oh, look who won. Gotta wait. Um, but she was, she didn't tell me what had happened, but she had said that she just didn't have a good experience and that all she can do is associate these piercings that she really, really wanted, but just the shitty experience. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, when you're ready, I was like, here's my card. These are when I work. If you want me, come back, you know, we'll take them out in a big deal. I didn't think I'd ever see her again. Cause sometimes when people are that, like she was visibly shaking in the shop. Like when people are that shook up, sometimes you don't see them again. She came back the next day that I worked and she was like, yeah, I want to out. I'm like, okay. 
Um, so we went back. Um, I told her, like, I was like, you know what? You don't even have to like take your shirt off all the way. I was like, if that's more comfortable for you, I was like, we can just do one at a time. She was like, yeah, that would be great. I'm like, all right, cool. Took them out super fast. Like, I was like, do you want the jewelry? She's like, no, I hate it. I was like, cool. Like, let's fucking throw it away. We threw it away. Um, and she was like, I want to get them redone. And I was like, okay. I was like, I want you to wait. You know, I don't even remember how long she had had them, but I asked her to wait, you know, about double the time she had them. Gave her, you know, gave her all the info, gave her the prices or whatever. And yeah, I was like, when you're ready, like when you feel ready, I was like, you can, this is the earliest you can do it. I was like, you can come see me in fucking three years. Um, I was like, just come see me. We'll do it. No big deal. So I didn't think I'd see her again. And literally as soon as she possibly could, she came back in and she was really scared. And I was like, we can take as much time as you need. I was like, I booked you for extra time. I was like, you know, whatever, do that. Took him in the back, took her in the back. I like wash my hands. Um, whenever someone would be, you know, getting undressed, I like would wash my hands and like turn away so they could like, cause you know, getting undressed in front of somebody you don't know is very vulnerable yeah. and very like uncomfortable. Like it's weird. Oh, like, I would have been like putting on a show. But in my experience, many clients like, are like, you know, you're like, you're like Bambi, you know, like, it's just, it's awkward, you know? So she's like, do I, you know, she was very like, do I have to take my shirt off? I was like, yes, just for marking. I was like, and then like, I was like, we can drape it over you and we can totally do that. No big deal. And I like had some dental bibs that I used as a drape for her. Um, and I was like, you know, I marked her and like every step of the way, like we checked in, I was like, how are you feeling? Like at any point in time, we can stop. Like, this is absolutely okay. And yeah, we, she did one and she was like, yep, let's go. Like, let's do the other one. I was like, all right, cool. And she did that. And then she sat up and I was like, you know, here's the mirror. I'm going to clean up. So I cleaned up, turned away. I was like, you can go ahead and get dressed or whatever. And I like turn around expecting her to be like dressed to the door. And she's just sitting there with the mirror sobbing. And she's so happy. And she's like, you have made this experience like one of the best experiences like I've ever had. Like, I can't believe you could take something that was so terrible and change that. And I was like, I didn't do anything. No, like, you, you did, did that, baby, by advocating. She did that. Like, mm-hmm. she did that. Um, so, like, I totally understand, like, the the power that, like... Like I like the power that I have, like ideally at the end of a piercing, I should like you, that should be your power. Now all the power that I have should be given to you through this experience. Like, and then it's yours to take and move through the world with that. Absolutely. That's like what that is. Mm. I think so. I, um, it's interesting because like for people who don't have very, very strong emotions and people who don't understand, obviously like Lucia, you get it. Like Mm -hmm. when you are so upset or so dysregulated, self-harm feels, it doesn't even feel self-harm is a way to re-regulate. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to be really super honest on this podcast, right? That's always what I am. too much. So I will never be, I'm 29 years old. I will never be a person who has a self harm free marker because I mean, Talon last night in bed said, I really need you to stop hurting my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. It's hard to watch. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I have self harmed the last three days Mm -hmm. and I finally said to him, like, if I keep up this particular path that I've been on the last few days, I know that it will result in me being hospitalized or me being injured. And so I need to stop. Piercing and tattooing is very much a way to feel and experience the positive effects that self-harm gives without ideally endangering us ideally yes in a perfect world ideally ideally yes so i wonder like what is that for you like yeah i mean yeah and like i that's just like a really it's a really real statement like i yeah i don't think i've ever been the person that's like has the app that's like oh one year and three days like self-harm free um 
And like, yeah, I just like, I, I, it was like a very real addictive thing in my life that was like really hard to kick. And, and it's still, and it still comes up for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I think especially with tattooing, cause I, I don't have as, as many piercings as tattoos. Um, and I think with piercings, it's, it's almost a little bit more of a shock, like to my system, if that makes sense. Like it's more like, ow, fuck that really hurts. <laughs> and I think for pier- uh, tattooing though, it's, it's like continuous particular pain. And, and for me, I think it also is interwoven with also pleasure. I think I associate like a lot of pain with pleasure And so that's also a really tough relationship because then it's like, if I'm experiencing like pleasure from pain, then it's like harder to not do. So, yeah. So I think, I think with like tattoos, I'm like, yeah, like fuck me up. Like (laughs) let's go. Um, and yeah, I just really sink into the experience and it's, it's wild. Yeah. I think also like my, my impulsivity with BPD plays into the tattooing as well. Like I have a tattoo that was incredibly impulsive and it's, it's like the adrenaline chemical compound and it says loving the thrill. And that was a major, that was a day decision. Like that was the tattoo day decision. And cause I am like, I, I have been like a bit of an, an adrenaline junkie. And I think that coincides with, you know, the BPD impulsivity for sure. And, um, And I just kind of, I don't hate it, but I'm like, I would have rather not. And I think that's just a perfect example of me not thinking it through and being in a place in my life that's not great. And I'm trying to cope and it's just a perfect storm. Yeah. And I like going back to this mom's message, which I thought was so beautifully written, right? Like this mom was not shaming, not blaming, but just saying, I am anxious that my child will regret these. Like Mm. I have many tattoos that I'm like, Ooh, baby. Like I have the Tacoma Washington area code two, five, three heart tattooed on me because it matched this boy that I was like very briefly dating who had his dick tattooed by the way. Um, (laughs) Love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. Smiley face on his on his cock tattooed. But I really wanted, I was like, you have that, I want that. And then I also have this just absolutely hideous Friday the 13th, like um anchor tattooed behind my ear. And I have <laughs> like I have matching tattoos with this girl that absolutely destroyed my heart. Like I have. I have these, I have so many stupid tattoos and like, yes, could I cover them up? Sure. Or could I have them removed? Absolutely. But like one, I'm working towards being like pretty heavily tattooed. So it all is just going to add together at some point, but also like, I don't have anything other than my ex-wife's initials tattooed on me that I can't look back on and kind of laugh at because we have to fucking find humor in this. We have to find humor in this experience or I will not be alive tomorrow. You either laugh about it or you cry about it. You laugh about it or you cry about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't have anything tattooed that is so significant that it would prevent me at this point in my life from being employed. I'm really lucky. I live on the West coast where like I can be a therapist whose hands are tattooed and I can be a therapist who has six piercings in my face. And like, you know, my ears were stretched and all of these things. Um, So I don't feel regret because I just, if I lived my life from that perspective of regret, I would be absolutely eaten up every single day by it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think like also <clears throat> regret, right? Like what a waste of time, you know, um, particularly from like the tattooing and piercing side of things. Like we've all got a tattoo that maybe we wish we didn't have or oh, we all so many. have something that like, we're like, Oh, I wish I would have thought that through. 
But at the end of the day, like with distance and with like time, ideally you can look back and like tattoos. I always, I would always get asked like the one question that sticks out in my mind all the time that I knew clients were disappointed when I gave them the answer. It's like, oh my God, what do all your tattoos mean? Oh, nothing. At <laughs> oh this my point. gosh. That's like such a question I get. It's like, what's the significance mm-hmm. of like your tattoos? Like- yes. And being able to look hundreds of people in the face and say, nothing. I'm I'm covered in garbage. Yeah. Oh, like to, to most people. Like, like I love my tattoos. I love what have, I have. You have like a vagina book tattoo. I do. I yeah, the pussy bible. The pussy yeah. bible. Oh bible. my god. Yeah. But it's but it's a it's a so it looks like a Bible, except it has the Playboy bunny symbol on it and the pages. So it's like a three-quarter view of it, right? The pages are are Pussy like lips and lit, like there's yeah. a clit. And oh a my gosh, I love that. Okay. Yeah, like you know, um, I have a lot of tattoos that are jokes. Um, I have a lot of tattoos that are impulsive. I have a lot of tattoos that like because I was in the shop and it was a slow day. I was always down to get tattooed every single time. I like getting tattooed. Um, it's great. Um, I for a really really long time fought the idea that I was using tattooing as self-harm. Um, I think when I very, very, very first started, and um, I actually haven't told anybody this ever, um, I would say probably from the ages of 18 to 23, I was 100% using tattooing as self-harm. Mm-hmm. I was getting tattooed every two weeks habitually from the time I was 18 to the time I was 23. And I did not start slowing down until I was about 23 or 24 years old. And then I came out as trans at like 25 or 26. I don't think anyone's going to be able to hear you. Probably not. Um, But I was absolutely using tattooing as a form of self-harm. And I don't regret a single thing that I have because the body that I had, I just couldn't live in. And I didn't know why. And I didn't understand. And like, I didn't have the language. And I just kept being like, oh, it's not me. I'm not trans. I'm not trans. But I can get tattooed. And so like every single tattoo that I got, I like looked in the mirror and I'm like, I was that close, that much closer to being like, that's me. There I am. So I don't know in the industry, we really, 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 at least I did, at least my shop did. We really tried to pull the conversation away from it's self-harm, it's self-mutilation because there is such a huge, as you guys know, stigma on self-harm because it's scary. Like it's scary. It, and I mean, rightfully so it is yes. dangerous. Yes, I, will, I never want to downplay that no. it is dangerous. No. And like, when I say I've been actively self-harming lately, I, I want to be clear that I am, I am actively self-harming and I use a generally trauma-informed method to harm myself Mm -hmm. that will not require me to have any kind of emergency medical intervention. And that generally keeps me safe in the moment. Continued long-term use will be dangerous. And that is something that I always have to like be aware of and work on. But right. I think we can, we can't do this episode without downplaying that self-harm is dangerous. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And, and it's scary and it's dangerous and it hurts. And what is the alternative? And what is the alternative? Right. Um, and I think like, at least I know I can speak for me and like, I was very defensive of my industry because it was the first place that I had found community. It was one of the first places that I felt safe. It was one of the first places that I was ever allowed to be who I was and the industry changed not only how I look, but like who I am as a human being. Like I didn't really like, I didn't have a lot of empathy. I wasn't really tapped into like, I think my own feelings and my own humanity and body piercing gave me that you cannot be a good body piercer without empathy. You can't. Um, and anytime I ever started to like be less empathetic towards a client or be like, Oh my God, they're ridiculous. My boss would be like, go get a piercing. Let's go. What do you want? I've been pierced hundreds of times. I don't have 99% of them. I've been pierced hundreds of times because it's one of those things where it's like, you forget how scary it is. You forget how much it fucking hurts until you get (laughs) it done again. And 
you know, piercing is no, 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 you're good. Uh, piercing is really scary. Like you said, it's a shock to your system. I always said, you know, people like, Oh, do piercings hurt more than tattoos? I'm like, well, a piercing is all the pain of a tattoo crammed in a one second. Oh, I love it. (laughs) So it's like, it is terrifying. Whereas a tattoo your brain, you're like, I'm going to be here for two hours. I don't love that. So your first little like, oh, that's how it's going to feel for the rest of the time. I can handle that. Your body automatically is like, oh, I got this. Whereas a piercing, you're like, oh my God, I don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be over in a second. And that's like, that's the difference in them. And I think they provide a different sense of like release than than other things. I don't know that I've ever told you this, but where the I don't love getting tattooed anymore. I loved getting tattooed when I was younger because I really needed that long-term pain yep. experience that to regulate. Reset. Yeah. I don't need a long time to reset anymore. Shit is a we're we're on a fast turnaround in this body and this brain these days because properly medicated, properly skilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say that and um this individual, I don't know if they still listen to the podcast, but they have historically. So if they're listening, this will be interesting. I will say that one time in my life, have I been tattooed where I like quite literally within the first five to 10 minutes felt like I was having an orgasm. Mm. I've seen that a couple of times. I, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm one of those like people that is very lucky to be able to orgasm multiple ways. Um, And so like, I remember being like, oh, fuck me. (laughs) Oh my God, what just happened? Um, And then I pined after them for like years and years and they didn't even know it. But um there is very much like all of the anticipation and the energy and the excitement that goes into the body piercing and the tattooing that self-harming doesn't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More well, and like, I mean, I guess like the main difference between like body piercing, tattooing, and then, and then other forms of self-harm, right? I would say body piercing and tattooing are the only things that we can use as self-harm that make us feel beautiful yeah Mm -hmm. that and it's like unfortunately like that's really easy i think to fall into and like the fact that these experiences are so transformative like no matter how small your tattoo is no matter like what you have no matter like how many piercings you have like every single time is almost like the first time Um, at least a little bit here and there. And like every single time, like a body piercing, no matter if it's your first or your 50th, it's special every time. And like, that was always something, all the shops I worked in, it was like, dude, this is like their birthday and Christmas. Like we do this every day. Like, it's like, yeah, it's my fucking, you know, 10th nostril piercing this morning and I'm exhausted and I don't have like any of the body jewelry you want because I'm sold out, you know, whatever. But like, again, that it's not about me and it's not about what I've done this morning. It's about this person. It's about like getting them from this side of a body piercing to the other side of it and ideally like empowering them. And like, yeah, I would definitely say that like body piercing and tattooing is one of the most empowering things we can do. One of the most beautiful, ritualistic, autonomous things we can do for ourselves So like, as like a professional in the industry, I really strayed away from like the word self-harm and mutilation was a big trigger word for me. And it still is like, I don't like it when people say that because you're, you're acting or they are acting like I am destroying my body when really like we're just adorning our temples. We're just painting the walls a little bit of a different color. You know, we're just hanging some shiny beads, knickknacks off of them. And at the end of the day, like, I, th- I think whether we're using it a hundred percent positively, or maybe there are a couple of negative connotations in our use of it. I think as long as we're aware of like our potential, like negative uses and are like aware of that, I don't know. I, I would never, I would never, I would never tell someone, Oh, don't do it. You'll regret it. 
like all piercings you can take out and tattoos you can cover. And at the end of the day, like you'll be here for it. You'll be here for it. You'll be here. That's important. And, and I think like, I think I hold like a loss also like a lot of identity with like piercings and tattoos. Like I think, yeah, I think that that makes me like have some, like, I feel like I have some sort of identity or some sort of like beauty and, um, expression and like, you know, the, the very real art, um, side of things. And I, I think that tattooing and piercings, um, yeah, are a lot more socially acceptable, uh, as opposed to someone seeing self-harm scars, because I think, yeah, it, like you said, it is, it's, it's scary. It scares people. And I think it makes people uncomfortable. And I think, it makes people not really know what to say. Like in my experience, when people see my, you know, my body and my self-harm scars, but like, if they see a tattoo, you know, that maybe I I got when I was in a really low point and wanting that continuous pain for like hours, then they're like, I love your tattoo. You know, it's so great. What was the meaning? Um, so yeah, I think that's really interesting and kind of bringing it back to, um, with having borderline personality disorder, like, I think that, um, that I, I struggle a lot with identity. Like I struggle a lot with like that, that symptom of BPD of like, no, no sense of identity. Um, not really knowing who I am or who I want to be or where I'm going in my, in my life. So sometimes when I like look at my tattoos, I actually feel a lot of regret which is kind of what you're talking about earlier. Like, you know, regret is so like pointless, but I do feel a little bit like, I don't really like that tattoo in that moment. But then maybe like an hour later, I'm like, never mind. Like, I love it. I'm happy that it's there, but that does come up often, whether it was an impulsive tattoo or not. And I think that really does tie into the, that loss of identity and kind of being like, I don't know who I am. Do I even like any of these tattoos? Do I even like any of these piercings? And that's a really kind of painful, like upsetting place to be sometimes. Yeah. So like, I mean, I don't have BPD. So like, I don't, um, she, Sarah always says like, I, I intrinsically have known and know who I am. Um, I'm fortunate. Oh fuck. Yeah. Like, I've never known anyone that knows themselves so much. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, a friend of mine told me once that my steadiness is terrifying. It's disgusting. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, once Talon knows something about himself or once Talon makes a decision, he has no problem implementing it and like continuing forward Mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. And I am like, back and forth across the start line. I'm like, I don't know. 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 I don't know who I am, which I know for people on the outside is so strange because I know that when people look at me, they say, Sarah is a queer therapist, um, leftist, creative dog mom, runner, all of these things. I don't know that. Like, I'm like, I'm not really a good therapist. And I'm like, like all, like all of these things. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say that like, and I don't know, um, because I don't have BPD, but like, I feel like perhaps your guys's internal mirror like when you look in and like we have we all have a, a a vision or an idea of ourselves at least right when you look in and you're like okay these are my values these are my morals these are my ethics this is like who i am this is what i do these are the things i love I, and I, if i'm overstepping like please tell me this but i some the way I look at it almost is like your guys's mirror is fractured. Yeah. When you look in, you don't have a clear view. Well, so it's interesting because I know what my core values are, right? My core values are to be in service of others and to go in search of joy, right? It's an active, those verbs are very important. Right. What I don't always know is how I am in service of others and how to go in search of joy. Those things are so confusing. It's the, it's the, it's the, um, it's the way in which you do those things. I do those things, right. which is very right confusing I mean, and awkward. And I think the mirror metaphor still works, right? Because like when you look into a broken mirror, right, you can see you, like you can see 
then there are bigger parts that are more clear, right? And then there are like these little tiny fracture pieces that you can't see anything out of. So I think that like, it's, it's not always, it's not static. It's not always like, you know, I, I would assume that like, it's, that's probably frustrating too. And that like your self-image is always changing as well. Like there's, you know, there's not like a, like an anchor in that. And then I, you know, that, so I guess when I say like, oh, regret is a waste of time, I didn't mean to like make you feel shame about feeling regret, but I don't, I don't experience that, um, that fractured mirror, so to speak, like my mirror is full. Maybe it's not always clean, but I know that I'm in there and I know that it's there. Um, and so, yeah, like I'm very steadfast in like belief and like what I think and like how I feel almost always. Um, so I, I might even say that like maybe people with BT, BPD just feel like they just don't know who they are but like other people see you. And so like, if you can't rely on your own mirror, you have to rely on the people around you who love you and care about you and then use them as a mirror for yourself when you're like struggling with your self-identity, I guess I would say. Yeah. Have other people be your mirror if your mirror isn't looking so great, you know? Yeah. And like, that's just like, I'm I'm getting like a little like choked up about that because I think that's, that's such a beautiful way to describe it. that like, I've never really thought about before of like the fractured mirror and like being able to see some, some shards are like bigger than others. And like not having, yeah, not having a sense of who I am, not having an anchor, not having like feeling very untethered. Um, Can we just say how ironic that I literally was just like, I should get a fucked up mirror tattooed on me. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Impulsivity. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Um, and, and very much so like other people in my life constantly like saying how they view me and it just doesn't, it just doesn't like click, I guess it doesn't like sink in. It doesn't sustain. Like I can have someone say something like a million times, like you're a beautifully, you know, empathetic person to your friends and to your family, or like, you're beautiful, like the way that you are and your size is like perfect, you know, like whatever, like anything. And it's nice hearing it and it's validating, but it doesn't stay, I guess. Yeah. And in those moments of, uh, like untetheredness is such a, it's just terrifying place to be. And I think that then perpetuates the cycle of self-harm and, scheduling that tattoo appointment or that piercing appointment. So, you know what I think is also really interesting. And again, like looping it back to this mom's comment. Right. And like, I will never forget being 18 and my dad realized I was stretching my ears. And, um, he said to me, and again, my parents are like, raised very conservatively, raised very, very in severe poverty. Like my parents have really prided themselves. Their entire life is built around like that. They built a career that they could sustain themselves comfortably on that. They could put their kids through college, whatever, climbing the ladder, climbing the ladder from like literally nothing, right. Foster care, two bedroom trailers next to people who murdered their wives. Yeah. Um, climbing the ladder, but I'll never forget. My dad said to me, I would never employ you looking like that. And it is, it's really interesting because obviously Lucia being someone with borderline, right. And Talon being a trans person with ADHD, we are othered Mm -hmm. systemically, socially, culturally, we are very othered. And I believe that like part of being and experiencing that otherness is like when you can change your, how you present outwardly to represent feeling othered or different, it's very empowering. And like an ironic symptom of that is that it further others us. And so then like, when you want so badly to just be seen, when you want so badly to just fit in and not be the quote unquote crazy girl at the party who pops off at a motherfucker for something that they said, and then everybody is watching you go bananas, you know, like that's also how 
middle class white America looks at us when we go through the TSA line or when we go into Starbucks, right? And it is so strange to feel like I'm seeing the mirror be less cracked, the more tattooed and pierced Mm -hmm. and modified I am. And the community is seeing it become more cracked. Right. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that experience is like for you. Yeah. Like I, I think, yeah, I think I do feel that's a really good question. I think I do feel (laughs) judged in society. Like if I'm, if I'm, you know, wearing clothing that shows my like tattoos, um, and then, you know, my piercings and gauges are visible and, you know, my little, uh, zero hole gauges. Um, I think, yeah, that's like exactly I'll watch, I'll watch strangers look at my, all my leg tattoos. Cause that's like mainly where I have all my tattoos, look at my tits and then look at my face. <laughs> like that's at least for men, mainly men, um, is the order and a lot of like judgmental facial expressions going on. Um, also the like sexualization of it is a whole other thing. I know it is. And like, I I feel like I'm in a little bit of a place where I'm sort of like, yeah, well like fuck you. And almost like my tattoos are kind of like, don't fuck with me vibe a little bit too. And I think that's kind of a bit of self-protection from being like a child and not being safe and protected by, um, you know, caregivers. Uh, so just like a lot of judgment and, and exactly what you said, like already being, you know, um, not normal or abnormal or crazy or overly sensitive. That's what I get a lot is just like, why are you so sensitive? You're too sensitive. Um, and kind of furthering that divide from normal people to me and, but find, but again, but finding the comfort in being different and like finding my own expression through my, you know, my tattoos and my piercings. It is very interesting. We are almost at our time and I actually have four rapid fire questions that I want to go through. So do another episode on this. We're going to have to, we're going to have to do another episode on everything. So Lori and I were like 2020, we're like, this podcast is going to be eight episodes. We're never going to do it again. We're almost at 50,000 downloads. Can you believe that Lucia? 50,000 downloads. And I get like, Sometimes I will send Talon a screenshot redacted, nobody's information, but I will sometimes send him a screenshot of the emails that I get from people saying like, this podcast has truly changed my life. And that is not, Lori and I are just the vessel, right? Where it's not about us. It's about normalizing the experience. So yeah, I'm sure there will be another episode on this because this podcast was supposed to never exist. And here we are. But um, I have four rapid fire questions. So I want Lucia to answer and then I want you to answer. How do we feel about that? Perfect. I'm about it. Okay. Okay. Rapid fire question. Number one, what are phrases to never say to a tattooed individual? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, I honestly find it a little annoying when people come up to me and are just like, what's the significance <laughs> of your tattoo or like, we'll be like, I have like a, an, an eye tattoo on my shin and they're like, Oh, is that like the eye of God? And we'll kind of almost put like a religious baby. This is the eye of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I should just say that next time. Um, yeah. I kind of just putting like a religious dance on me, which I'm definitely not <laughs> religious. Um, so like, I, yeah, I would say that's like the main one that annoys me. <laughs> um, so I love that we're doing this. Um, I, so my experience like being heavily tattooed has changed, right. As my, as my presentation has changed. Right. Because you're not sexualized female. Correct. I'm no longer like, because I, I wanted to touch on something really quick that you, you guys both experience. And I used to experience is like being heavily tattooed and presenting as female or, or, or being a woman, right. That people think that that is an open gateway it is. to yes. touch your body. Like suicide girls. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like, I just wanted to say that. Um, and I just wanted to say that that needs to be out there and that needs to be, I cannot tell you how many times people have grabbed me physically when I was presenting female and touched me without my consent to look at your tattoo. Yeah. Men, women, 
And I will say the only people who have ever asked me for consent are little kids. Can I touch it? And I'm like, you absolutely can. Absolutely. Yes, you totally can. Children are the only people who have ever asked me for consent to touch me in public. I do have to say, I do have to say though, and I like, I don't think I need to apologize to you, but maybe I do. I very much like romanticized and sexualized a heavily tattooed man, particularly with facial hair. Oh, that is, uh, no, you don't need to <laughs> know what you mean. We, we like, but I like, don't like touch people. I know not to say right. to people, like I know to ask people who they are. Right. Okay. Um, so like, I would say that like, because like anyone saying anything to me doesn't really bother me because like, I, I'm never like, I always try to come at it as like, I am probably the most heavily tattooed person these people have ever seen. So like, I understand automatically thinking that like their questions or like their comments are negative, but I try not to take them as that. I try not to like take them as they're being negative or as they're kind of like shitting on me, because I, I feel like that it's that they're more excited. And I think that in their excitement, they lose all sense of like propriety and tact. Like it's just gone and they're stoked and they're like, Oh my God. Like, you know, so I, nothing that anyone has said to me, I'm like, Oh bro, you shouldn't say that. I would agree with you that like, don't put religious undertones on something. Don't put your own beliefs on somebody and asking somebody what their tattoo means is absolutely inappropriate. It is. It is. That is not okay. And you should say like something like, oh my God, I love your tattoos. Where did you get them? Yeah. How long have you been getting tattooed? Like, why don't we keep it like surface level? Like, would you, how has this changed your life? How has this changed your life? That's much better. Or like, what's your favorite? Like, I think keeping tattoo questions person-centered is infinitely more appropriate than like, oh my God, what does that mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, not great. And and that actually like brings up like you saying that of people like not that actually I completely didn't even think of that of like how people will come up and like, and just touch my tattoos, Mm -hmm. like, will just touch my body. Like I I went to like a neurologist Mm -hmm. to get like work done or whatever. And, um, and he just like, I was wearing shorts and he just was like, came around like really close to me and was like, I love your tattoos. And like picked my legs up and was like turning over my tattoos. And I, and I like, I, I, I love like the excitement of like kids or people like being like, Oh my gosh, like, are they permanent? You know, like kids will be like that. Like, can you wash it off? Or like the excitement of, of it. But yes, that, that is a really real issue of people like being very not tactful and just coming up and touching them. Like that's a really real issue. Well, and the other piece of it too, is like, I don't want to deal with whatever response that the other person has, because it will inherently be uncomfortable if I tell them what a tattoo means. Like I have, I have a quote from the fray, actually, what a, what a band tattooed on my back that says, I would have stayed up with you all night had I known how to save a life. It was my very first tattoo. It was a memorial piece, right? My acupuncturist read it the other day and asked about it. And I I always lie because I'm like, you can't handle me dropping. I've had three uncles die by suicide. You can't handle it, lady. So we don't need to get into that. And I don't need the sadness that you are going to feel when I tell you I've had three uncles die by suicide and that I very graphically know how that happened and that I have those memories burned into my brain since I was 11 years old. Do you really want to do that right now, lady, while you're implementing Chinese medicine? I don't think you do. So like, let's not be doing that. Okay. Um, Rapid fire question number two, Lucia, if you had to remove one tattoo, what would it be? I think it's, I think it's definitely either like my adrenaline one, the loving the thrill tattoo. Um, I think it might be that one, or it might be, I got the same guy actually that did the belly button piercing. It was the same. It was in the same, uh, booking session. He did a Gemini cause I'm a Gemini. Um, he did like a little shitty, like Gemini tattoo with vines off it. And yeah, I think I would definitely get that one off too. <laughs> None. You wouldn't get anything removed? No. I love that. 
No, <laughs> nothing, nothing would I ever get removed. Um, I've had many cover-ups, blastovers. My entire back is a cover-up, so I have two back pieces, which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I did it twice because I'm an idiot. Um, but no, I would never get anything removed. Um, no, yeah, no. Okay. I'll say Rapid fire question number three. We kind of touched on this, but if you had to say one statement to someone who asks you a question about your tattoo in a rude way, what would you say? I think I would say like, I understand, like, I I hear what you're saying. And at the same time, this is a personal experience to me and my body. And I don't feel comfortable having this conversation just straight up like that. Yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) That's so sensitive of you to say to someone. That is so graceful of you to say to someone. Talon doesn't have quite that tact. So what would you say? Um, well, I, I have, I have, I have been asked many rude questions. Um, I am lucky that I don't always perceive everything as rude. I don't always pick up on people being rude to me, um, which is really, I think, given me a lot more grace than I think I would if I was like aware of people being rude to me. Um, but when I have picked up on it, I I was always like really good at redirecting. Mm. Um, so, I, you know, and I can't even like think of an example, but people are like, oh, like, oh, oh there we go. What are you going to do? when you're 80 because that that question is we've all gotten it we all get it and that question is one of two things it's one it's like they can't even believe that you would do that or whatever um and they're insinuating that you haven't thought about your future that you're not prepared and that you're gonna just be this like you know there are a lot of assumptions behind that question that you're uneducated that you're a loser you don't have a job or whatever right so I always have like canned responses that I just give to people because it's just easy. So people are like, oh my God, you're stretched years. How long did that take you? I'm like, oh, however many years I've had them. And then I go, my longest relationship. And then everyone's like, ha, 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 ha. Because it's hilarious, right? What are you going to do when you're 80? Oh my God, I'm going to have sex with all of the old people. Depending on how sassy they are and how much I want to get that under their skin, honestly, how like sassy I'm feeling I say a couple of different things, but the main one is if I'm feeling particularly like rambunctious is I'm like, I don't know. I haven't really thought that far because what that does is it turns it back around and everything that they assumed about me is now correct. Right. Right. And then they have to look at their inherent bias. Right. And they're like, I'm like, oh, I haven't thought about it. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like, cause they, they're prepared for you to be defensive. Right. right. They're prepared to fight you on it. And then like people who ask that, and if you give them that response and they're, they weren't wanting to fight you on it, they laugh and they're like, oh, like whatever, you know? So it's it's like, it's one of two things. Um, Or like, you know, like, oh, what are you going to do when you're older? How do you expect to find a job? Um, Yeah. I always use like very canned blanket statements of like, I don't know, like, or I don't expect to find a job or I'm like, well, that's why I'm a body piercer. Uh, another canned response of like, what are you going to do when you're 80? Like, how are you going to feel when you're 80? I'm like, well, I'm a body piercer. So we don't retire. We die. I'm just going to say, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I don't plan to get there. Yeah. So like, like, which I'm, by the way, Joe, yeah, I'm a firm believer in like falling back on your canned responses, whatever works for you. Um, yeah. But yeah, when people are rude to me, I'm, I'm generally, I generally try to redirect and to educate. Sure. You know, because they're being rude because they don't understand. They they don't understand. Um, and I am in a very fortunate position now that like, yes. you know, I am male. Yes. I am perceived as male. I am, I am cis passing. I am straight passing for the oh, most part. I hate it. Um, so I am very fortunate in that, like, I can say whatever I want to people. I totally can. I, I don't. Right. Because I still try to redirect, but. Love it. Final question. Um, And y'all have like 30 seconds to answer. So what question should I ask myself before I get a tattoo? Yes. And I, and I did want to like say something about that. Like, I think, I think that's where the stop scale from DBT is like so vital, at least for me, like to really like 
I can be excited about the tattoo and the design and the anticipation of the pain and everything that comes with it. But I think it's really important for me to stop and think, really think about it and think about my intention of why I'm doing it. Think about like long-term, how I'm going to feel about it. Um, yeah. And just come from a place of like exploration of, of why I'm doing it. And just like myself. Love that. What's your answer? Um, Rapid fire, baby. Her answer is better than mine. Um, I, I don't think when I get tattoos, all I think is like, is this design tight? Yes. Do I like the person who's going to tattoo me? Yes. Can I see this on me where I want it? Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Um, I think it is important that we say for our, our BPD listeners that are especially impacted by impulsivity is, can I afford this? There we go. Yeah. So like, again, I'm fortunate in that, like, I you don't pay for tattoos. I pay, but I don't pay market price. I do not. I've been tattooed by many people that I've known for a really long time. And I've been tattooed for free. And like, so I like, and you exchange your art and I exchange art. We do trades. We do all the things. So like, yes, like if you are not in the industry and you are paying full price, I'm going to say that can I afford this? That is, that's a hundred percent. I know so many people with borderline who get tattooed before they pay their rent. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Pay your rent first. And then, and then if you have fun money and that's what you want to do, do that. Yeah. Cause I'm a firm believer in financial security and who, and financial autonomy before anything else. And I know that that's something that like really affects people with BPD and, and people with impulsivity. I am very, very impulsive because of ADHD, but I don't let that fuck with my money ever because like, unfortunately in this country, we need it to live. So make sure you have enough money to live and then go get tattooed. Yeah. And that's like the stop skill too, I guess. Absolutely. Stop skill, wise mind. Yeah. Lucia, I'm obsessed with you. It sounds like we have to do this again. I have so many more things I want to say. We have so many more things to say. We love you so much. I'm so excited. Your sweet little voice is going to bless everybody's ears. How do you feel after your first podcast really quickly? Because I have to go in one minute for another episode. No, I feel amazing. I feel like I, we could just talk for like hours. Like I'm just, I'm so ready. Like I'm just so pumped um, for another episode. And I just feel so grateful to like be a part of this community and to have other people, um, just like, yeah, hear, hear a little bit of my story. And cause I know from hearing other people on the podcast that it's really, it's really changed my life. The podcast and super feelers has just changed my life completely. We love you. Love you. Hi friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the bold, beautiful borderline podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey and We can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about Borderline and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page. The links to that are included in the show notes, so check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you.